Welcome to the watermarkoc.church podcast. Thank you for listening. I'm so glad you've joined us, uh, whether you're new or you've been here for ages. Thanks for being with us. Uh, like Bucky said, we are a family church, and we hope that you feel that. And uh, if you have questions about anything throughout the service, come and see us. We'll all be out there in the lobby. There's wonderful volunteers, leaders, pastors who would love to meet you. Like Jordan or Bucky, can't remember who it was, said the purpose of this series, why the Bible matters, just jumping right in, we're going for it. Why the Bible matters, we're, we're answering that question, and we're hoping the desired outcome of this series is that you might find yourself jumping into the Word of God in your life, and in your family system, and in your relationships, and all these different areas that compose the legacy of your life will be affected because you've made this conscious decision to have the Word of God at the center of it all. All of us have seasons where we need to be called back to that. As we were planning the series calendar, we thought, what better way to start the year than to start with the resolution that will affect all other resolutions. The goal, the plan, the thing that will put all others to shame. This one piece We'll make sure you have uh, health and, and success, like this verse says from Joshua that we're going to read again in a second. Um, that's why the Bible matters, okay? And, and like this verse, I want to look at it again. Just put it in front of you one more time. Joshua 1, starting in verse 7, and it's coming. Here it is. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. This is the essence of this series. That is the point. To meditate on it day and night. You will be sure to obey. If you're sure to obey, you will be sure to succeed. I love that line in there. But I don't think of it in in terms of maybe worldly success, monetary success, material or tangible success. When I see that line in there, I think that, that maybe what the writer, maybe what the Spirit of God was meaning for us to read there is that it will go well for you. Fix your eyes on this Word of God, the truth that's here, and it will go well for you in your relationships, and, and, and you will find peace, and you will find rich, richness, and you will find depth if you meditate on it, fix your eyes on it. And this morning, I want to show you how this is true by talking about, by talking about miracles, we're talking about miracles of all things. And, and, and why does the Bible matter? I think because it's the only supernatural book ever written. This is a supernatural book. It's not just a philosophy guidebook. It's not just uh, tips for how to live. It is a super-powered book with the Word of God. And I'm going to give you a definition because we've got to start from this place right, right off the bat. But I want to give you a definition of what I mean by miracle. There's lots of good working definitions. This will be ours for the morning, okay? If you don't like it, okay, go with yours. But there's a couple key pieces in here that do matter. Uh, a miracle is something witnessed in the natural world that not only defies the laws of nature, but supersedes them. Not only defies the laws of nature, but supersedes them. I want your brain to start thinking right now because one of the issues we have is that we've made the miraculous too common. It's an everyday thing. It happens all the time. That it's a miracle, it's a miracle. Well, right there, there's a lot already, some meat there. If it's within the natural law, the natural realm, let's look at that. A miracle is something that not only defies it, but supersedes it. 
And so this morning, I think the cross-section of why the Bible matters, it's the most supernatural book of all time. There should be some tension already inside yourselves. I want you to, to think, have you ever wondered, have you ever asked, have you ever cried out to the Lord, give me a sign? I wish I had a sign. Have you ever felt a total loss of purpose or direction or plan in your life? I know almost every person in the room, if I asked you to raise your hand, have you ever prayed for a miracle? The hands would go up. We're in that camp. Every one of us probably could say yes to one of those questions. And yet here's how I want to make the connection. This is my big idea from this morning. This is the big idea. Miracles are signposts. They have a function in the world. Then and now. They are signposts which validate the word of God that in turn instructs and transforms our lives. That's the answer. That's the answer right there. I'm just skipping ahead. Okay, we'll cut right to the chase and I'll deliver it to you. If you're wondering, what's the connection, Ben? Why? Miracles of all the angles you could take about the validity, the authority, the historicity of the Bible. You're going to go, there. miracles? Yes, And the encouragement, remember, of this whole series is that you all deep dive into the Word of God. So why not? Why not start there? Or continue there? Because Bucky kicked off this series wonderfully if you did not listen to last week's message on how the Bible is a narrative, how it follows a narrative arc, and it has a a place in your life. You've got to listen to it. Okay, you can listen to it anywhere that podcasts are sold. All right, so go use your technology to listen to the message. But for this morning, that's a connection. They are signposts to validate the word of God, and they should transform our lives. They are signposts. So if you've ever wondered, could I get a sign? God, can I get a miracle answered? That's what we're here to talk about this morning. And there's a few things. They, they exist. Miracles, they exist for power, to show God's power. They exist to show God's purpose. And the Bible is the most complete and total testimony of God's action in the world. That's the miraculous. If God, standing outside of time, standing outside of natural laws, when he, when he enters in, that's a miracle. Any time that God has inserted himself into history, that's a miracle. That's a miraculous thing. Well, the Bible is the most epic living testimony of that. So if you knew that, wouldn't that inspire you to go for it? to jump in and to have that be a part of your life, we should be listening. That's the whole point. If the Bible is a supernatural book, which I'm going to try in a second to prove that it is, or give us a reminder, a defense that it is, then shouldn't we be watching or listening? If this is a supernatural work, if this is God's act in history, then shouldn't we be watching or listening? That's the question for us this morning. All right? So miracles happen. Here we we are so far. i got a summary for you already. Miracles happen. All right, they're intrinsic to God's word. They're intrinsic to God's word and they exist to reflect God's power and his purpose. We come to understand that. I think we might experience some transformation in our lives. All right, so I want to go through a couple of hurdles because there's some hurdles. Anytime you talk about miracles today, there's some confusion. I already talked about one that maybe sometimes they're all too common. Let's go through a couple more. I have a diagram. I have this wonderful diagram in one slide. If you're taking notes, you can draw it on on your piece of paper, um, and maybe it'll stick with you. But here's a picture, okay? Here's three things, three symbols that represent a crash course. I'm going to give you a really quick crash course defense or an apologetic for the answer of what we believe when it comes to the Bible as a supernatural book. Not just a real historical book, but a supernatural book. The first thing, this is a common thing. 
is the circular argument. That's what they call it in debate and philosophy and apologetics. A circular argument means that the, the beginning place is also your answer, is also the end place. That's the most simple way to break it down. As kids, here's an example. As kids, our most common response to why, do, why is the Bible real or why is the Bible uh, important or why is it powerful, little Billy or little Susie? And we say, well, the Bible's real because God says it's real. The Bible's real because the Bible says it's real. That, that's an example. God bless the little Billies and Susies of the world. That would be an example of a circular argument. They said it's real and then their defense and their explanation of why it was real was the thing itself. Right? That doesn't mean that's not real, that when the word of God, when that word of God says that it's living and active, that it's God breathed, it doesn't take away from those. You'll see how in a second. But the, the, the circular argument is important because for you and I, we have an answer for our faith. Really quickly, you can just do this in your own research in your own time, but you can see that the Bible is confirmed uh, through independent historians, Jewish and secular historians of its time. The manuscripts, which means the actual parchment that it was written on, at least in the New Testament, is highly, highly consistent for the Bible that's in your hands and on your Bible app today. That's, that's incredible. That's incredible. There is, there is proof outside of the text all over the place. I won't go into all of them, but I've highlighted a couple that absolutely offer a reliable and authoritative and historical proof for, what, for how the Bible matters. That circles what that represents. If you need to provide an answer for your faith Okay, if, you're, if you have kids in the home, you have influence with people who are whatever age, new to the faith or, or, or otherwise, this is an important answer for you to be able to give. A second thing, what's that symbol? The box, the box illustration. Now, you have to understand a piece of history really quick. We're going to go back to the 17th century. It, was, it started with Isaac Newton, and there were guys that followed Isaac Newton. And they were, they were believers, really, for their time. But they did this thing that really demented and subtracted from the word of God because they said, yes, God created the, 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 the universe. He created everything. But then he stepped back. They were called deists. And these deists are, are really, you follow that line of thought and they became naturalists, which just means if it disobeys the laws of science, that's a deal breaker for us. That's what they said. That's what this camp, this, this, this school of thought said is that if it, if it breaks from the natural laws, because that's our only definition, right? Science's definition is that there's natural laws, there's a natural order, it must follow those rules, or it's not real. It doesn't happen, okay? So the box, I love the picture of the box because, and by the way, if you're following that, uh, they use the circular reasoning for part of their argument because they say this. They say, a miracle is not a miracle because it's something outside the laws. What they did is just define a miracle. They said, a miracle isn't a miracle because it's a miracle. That's part of the explanation if you talk to someone. They'll say, a miracle can't be real because it's something not real. A miracle can't be real because it's unnatural. That's, a, that's, a, that's not a very good answer for what they believe. But I'll do you one better because we've already talked about that. The box is this. Okay? In science, the idea is that the box is the universe, the known world. The box represents the universe, everything in it, the earth that we're sitting on right now. That God created that box, right? Okay, he created that box, but he cannot have any power or control what happens inside that box. And, and by the way, here's the question that you'd ask anyone who you're wrestling with this and you're having a conversation about what's the reason for why you believe? What's the reason? Well, they have a really hard time. People in this camp who believe there's no such thing as the supernatural. Remember, that's what we're talking about. The supernatural, the miraculous, a supernatural book. Just take the miracles away from the Bible and then maybe I'll take it at, at face value. If, the, if it was just literature and not miraculous, maybe I'll accept it. Well, that's, that's not okay with us. And part of the response is this. We have an answer for the origins of the universe. 
We, we have a suggestion of who created the box. The same one who created the box certainly has the power to supersede it at his will. That's a, that's a belief. That's a staple. Take that with you. That's the second picture. Okay, And their answer for why origins, the origins of the universe and the world and the earth, get dicey. They have a harder time explaining that than we do in our creation story. This last picture, okay, I swear, and then we're going we're gonna to get into more of the meat of the miracles. We've got to get through these, these hurdles first. What is that? that is a, that's meant to be a speed limit sign. A speed limit sign, okay? 25 miles per hour. It's a neighborhood speed limit sign. Of course, duh, okay? Stay with me, tracking with me. And this sign represents the fact that sometimes we make the miraculous all too common. It's all too common. Do you need a speed limit sign every mile? We don't need a speed limit sign every mile, do we? No, maybe just every 10, 15, 20 miles. Maybe when there's a, a new break in the speed, Maybe when, when the powers that be have a new suggestion for you, they want to send you a message, hey, now you're entering that school zone, you should tone it down. The, the powers that be are doing something bigger there. They're marking it. It's a signpost. It's not needed every mile, though. So, so I think that we do it a disservice if we're throwing out every single traffic intersection that we arrived at and, and we didn't get crushed by a car just because they swerved around us or, or, every, or every final exam that we pass. Or every time that our, our flu bug only lasted two days instead of two weeks, then we call it a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. I think that we, we water down and we do a disservice to the supernatural when we, when we incorporate this new definition. Okay, So I wanted to get through those hurdles really quick. And like we said, miracles. Okay, Miracles are these signposts. Validate the word of God. And they, in turn, will transform our lives if we have a heads up. If we have a heads up for what's going on. But, but here's the crux, okay? And this is where I really want you to wrestle because this is where I wrestled through getting ready for this weekend. And here's the deal. The Bible is a supernatural book. The Word of God it contains these miracles. We can't get rid of those where it loses its power. It loses its authority. It loses its purpose to be a signpost for us today. Now, looking back at the Word of God, miracles might just be the signposts that we never saw coming. Miracles as the signposts that we never saw coming. Well, Ben, what are you talking about? I mean, isn't that the point of a miracle? You don't see it? It's sudden. It's mysterious. It's surprising. It's amazing. It's miraculous. That's the point. You can't see it coming until it's gone. So, so what are you talking about? Well, what I'm suggesting, you guys, is that this book, this living and active book, sharper than a two-edged sword between bone and marrow, the outcome of this series, remember, between bone and marrow. How finely tuned must a blade be to cut between marrow, the inner portion of the bone, and bone itself? How finely tuned must it be to do that, short of a miraculous work? What I'm suggesting is that it contains great volumes of miracle, and that is our signpost. Those who have gone before us, God's act in history with this chosen people through the Israelites, and then in the the masterful moment of Jesus on the cross. But our challenge is that maybe we miss the signs. Is there an example? Great question. Great question. I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. The history and narrative arc of the Bible that Bucky talked about last week and this narrative is chock full of all of these poor fools who didn't see him coming. The flood didn't see him coming. Babel didn't see him coming. Sodom and Gomorrah certainly didn't see him coming. The prophets to the Israelites didn't see him coming. And then finally, the ultimate. Here's Jesus standing before them, preaching in their own synagogues. Didn't see him coming. 
I tell you, this, just this last week alone, just take this last week alone, some things that I didn't see coming. All right, I'll start, start with the pop culture one. There's this kid, there's this 18, 19-year-old kid, Tua. Maybe you heard Tua, heard about Tua or saw Tua live when you were watching the football national championship game last week. All right, but here's this kid, second-string quarterback, true freshman. He's just 19, so he's a freshman year. He's just first day on the job at Alabama. He got a couple reps throughout the whole season. Now they're playing for the national championship, and they're in the hole going into the second half. Coach, most would call, this crazy move, decides to throw him in the game in the second half. Go with the lefty quarterback, who's basically untested, and let's just give that a shot. Most of you, I see a lot of heads nodding, know the end by now, but they go on to win the game. This kid goes in, throws a couple strikes, and they go on to win the game amazing. I never in a million years would have saw that coming. Is that the whole story though? What if I knew a little bit more about this six-time national champion coach? What if I knew the story of what makes a great coach willing to know his players and, and make wise decisions and understand when the game is on the line, throw a lefty in the game, and see what happens to that defense that studied our right-handed quarterback. Maybe if I knew more about the coach, maybe if I knew more about this player, coincidentally is a, seems like a rock star Christian, lover of Jesus, maybe if I knew anything about this kid who was just as equal in talent and easily could have got the winning job, but was happy to stay there and compete anyway, maybe if I knew more about his story, I wouldn't have been so blindsided. Another example, a little bit more close to home, a little bit heavier hearted. Um, I never could have seen, how could I have seen a call last week from social services? Um, Many of you, maybe not all of you know that my wife and I are um, licensed foster and adoption parents. And we have a couple of children in our home. The second, first one's adopted. The second one is nearly adopted. We're almost there. Thank you for those who have prayed for our family. Um, We feel them and they are working very much so. Um, how could I have ever seen a call from the social worker last week saying, we have your adopted daughter, Selah's half-sister, and she needs a home? How, how could I have seen that coming? How could I have seen that coming? But maybe, <laughs> hang with me, but maybe if I knew the story, if I knew the narrative of her birth mom, who um, is probably a street worker, and, and probably doesn't take the time to think about family planning and, and, and has gotten in the mix because of addiction with man after man. And they keep arriving to this predicament. Maybe if I knew the story, though, maybe if I could have seen the signs, I may not have been as blindsided. You know, these are, these are incredible and unbelievable stories, but they're not miracles, are they? But I could have seen the writing, I could have known the stories. Just as the supernatural work of this book can be our signpost for today. This can be our signpost for today. And I want to show it to you, okay? So if you have your Bible app or you have your print Bible, go ahead and turn to Numbers 14. Let's look at these, these sweet, darling people called the Israelites. The ones who went before us. They're fumbling and groaning through the desert. And yet God has mercy and has grace on them. I love them as our constant witness for you and me as we walk out this thing called faith. As we see maybe miracles or we've heard of miracles or we've read about miracles and still we stumble in our belief and our faith. Let's look at them. Let's look at Numbers 14, okay? That's what it says in Numbers 14. Then the Lord said, I will pardon them as you have requested, but as surely as I live and as surely as the earth is filled with the Lord's glory, not one of these people will ever enter the land. 
They have all seen my glorious presence and the miraculous signs I performed both in Egypt and in the wilderness. But again and again, they have tested me by refusing to listen to my voice. So what's going on? You got God, he's shouting down plans and signs um, towards the Israelites because they're trying to kill Moses and Aaron, okay, the leaders. They're trying to take them out because they're moaning, because they're groaning, because they've lost total picture of the signposts, all the amazing action of God, stepped down into history, into their story, provided food from heaven, provided water from the rock, provided deliverance from the big bad Pharaoh, and yet they're sitting there thinking about how they can stone Moses and Aaron. And so what is the signpost that they miss here? Sometimes we don't see the signpost that's right in front of our face. So I love that we have the Israelites And what's the point of the Jews? What's the point of the Israelites except to be, because there's a purpose, all those miracles. Why was God acting in history so consistently throughout the Old Testament? What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that these are supposed to be a covenant people, a holy people set apart. That's what that word holy means. It means set apart. A covenant, it means a compact, a, a, a contract that God had with these people. That's a big deal. And oh, by the way, they're the birth family of Jesus, There's huge purpose. There's huge signs, signposts behind the wonders that God's doing with Israel. And these people didn't even have the whole Bible. They barely had the two stone tablets fresh off of the mountain of God. They didn't even have what you and I have. They didn't have this work. And yet they had the power of God right in front of them. So if, if we, what is our excuse today if we fail to see him coming, if we ignore the supernatural word and thus miss the signposts in our time? What is our excuse today for not getting into this thing as soon and as often, if not paying attention to the signposts of those who went before us? The question is, the flood didn't see it coming. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't see it coming. Jesus the first time, didn't see him coming. What about Jesus the second time? What will be the answer for what we believe? And will we see him coming? Look at Matthew 24. Let's go over to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, for example, is 50 verses. The the header of that entire section says, talks about the future. Hello, we should be paying attention. There's some awesome signposts there about what the time will look like and how we should be prepared. And we will miss that unless we have a devotion and a consistency to this supernatural book. Okay, let's read it. It says in 23, Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you about this ahead of time. What are some takeaways from that that are really key for our understanding and our explanation as Christians? A lot of us in the room have been a part of this church for a while, been a part of a church for a while. And if you're new, bonus, because this is great day one material for understanding this supernatural book. But what's one of our takeaways when I read this about what Jesus is saying? Is that the enemy, and we do believe that as Bible-believing Christians, that there is an enemy, there are forces of darkness, absolutely, Okay, this is not a need to ramp up and get you fear-filled. That's not at all, because we have a hope. But what he's suggesting here is that the enemy, the forces of darkness, do have the ability to work miracles. We are not left to, fe- left to fear. Look at, as we go on, to verse 11 through, through 14. Look what he says. And many false prophets will appear 
and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. You're sitting there, and if you're anything like me, the takeaway is, well, Ben, end times stuff, apocalyptic. Feels like the last three teenage movies about post-apocalyptic films you've seen. Hang in there. For the hope of what we believe, the whole point of this morning is having an answer for the supernatural because we've been in it. We're, we're a little bit more aware of the signposts. But what is the hope? The good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the world to all nations. How many nations? How many nations? All nations. Good. That's the hope of what we live for. And then they'll hear it, and then the end will come. Good news will be universal. And we would know this if we were in the word of God. Not only would we know this and be aware of some of what Jesus is throwing up here in 50 verses, but we could then compare what Jesus is talking about. We could jump over to Daniel. Go over and look at the prophet's book, Daniel. Jesus himself says his name in these same passages. Go over there and have a cross-reference with Daniel. And then jump over to Revelation and find out how this beautiful, wonderful, supernatural book by multiple authors over several hundred years is a beautiful, harmonized, supernatural narrative that has impact for your life today. And you don't have to be caught as the one that didn't see it coming. And those of your friends and your family and your neighbors don't have to be caught as the ones who didn't see him coming. Critical. And it's on that point, our friends, our family, our neighbors, that I want to talk about regeneration. How about regeneration? Let's close with some theology. Regeneration is this concept, the big theological term for how a heart gets changed. It's heart change. Again, a staple of our Christian walk and life and belief is that though God created a very good world in the beginning, it was heaven on earth, that man chose evil, that man chose sin. And God, of course, being a loving, not coercive God, being a God who didn't just want to dangle a couple of puppets, gave us that free will, and we opted into that shortcoming, into sin, which all of us, that's what the scripture says, we all fall short of the glory of God. That is sin. We fall short. If you're new here today, and you don't have the terms to call it sin yet, you just know, right? There's something in there that's not great. Sometimes we're not always on. Sometimes we're not the best person. I'd give you that definition. So that being the reality that we are in, our heart is filled with sin, is filled with wickedness, or just falls short. And when that thing gets changed, what we call regeneration, and it becomes a new thing, that is completely outside ourselves and definitely outside the natural laws of this world. So it is then what? What is it? One more time. What is it, folks? It's a miracle. It's okay if you haven't shouted the answer. I haven't done my job. I'm sorry. It's a miracle. It's safe to say. Anytime that a heart gets regenerated, it turns from one shade of one color into a totally different thing. And that was because it was outside of the natural law and order. That was an act of God. That was God superseding the natural laws of this world in order to change a person. Not by any good work we've done, not by any righteousness on our own, but by completely the gift and grace of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Don't believe me? Let's, let's look at this. 
Let's go to Titus. Titus 3. When God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because we were so awesome and so good and had it all put together ourselves. And just by enough might and willpower, we could save ourselves by our own righteousness or the things we've done. But because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior, because of His grace. He made us right. Listen to this truth. Paul says that from the moment you say you believe, you're made right. You have right standing right there where you are. From the moment you say you believe, you're declared right. And for you, if you're there this morning, I know there's a couple people, and you're processing, you're trying to track, and the Holy Spirit is moving on your heart right now. I have a response for you in a second, but I want to end with this story. It's a miracle of God. Regeneration as a miracle of God. That's what it is. If you go to the internet, here's what it says. If you literally, if you look up the miracle of regeneration, this is what it says. I got the definition right here. You won't be shocked if you're in healthcare. It says, every moment your body is undergoing an active process of regeneration, based as it is on the ceaseless flux of cell life and death. Not like the dissipative structure of a flame, whatever that means. Okay, the cell life and death. Regeneration. This is a quiz. We're ending right now, and this is a quiz. I want to see now if you can answer me. Okay, you had your shot earlier, and you blew it. You blew it royally. Okay, the answer was miracle. All right? The regeneration of cells, cell life and death, the cycle it goes through. I want to hear from you right now. Yes or no, miracle? (laughs) No! Oh, no! Oh, no! This is my failure. Okay, then... that, that is how, that's definitely how God made the body to work, but it is within natural, that's how naturally how it works. Your body churns over cells. I'm sorry, people. I had just as minimum science knowledge as you did when I was working on this this last week. So God bless you. God gives you all kinds of grace and mercy. Back to Titus 3, okay? No, it's not miraculous. Your body just does that. It's awesome. It was designed to do that. And yes, creation is a miracle. Ex nihilo, we talked about that last series. From nothing came something, not just something, but this wonderfully ordered creation by perfect, flawless design, just like your cells operate. That's natural. It's wonderful and unbelievable, but that's just natural. That's how God built it up. Let me give you another example, I promise. Now, now we'll really land this plane. Okay. <laughs> last week... Last week, Thursday, a few of the leaders of the church and people that just know how to do this, um, we have these partners in Mexico, and, and there's a church that's rising up. Uh, there's no building. We only just a couple weeks ago got the land to be able to see what God can do. And so we're in the information gathering. We, we took a team down there to survey, to properly survey the land and get plans. But before ever there was a building, there's some people that you need to know about. There's some people that God is raising up in that area. I'll just tell you really quickly about two of them. And then I'm going to ask you another quiz question, okay? There's a couple people, a couple men and some women that I got to meet this last week. It's my first time going up there to meet the partners, to meet these people that God's raising up. One of them is Louise. Louise is 18 years old. Louise was on the street. Louise was on meth. Louise was a total addict, hopeless and in despair. And, and yet I cannot fathom that because the young man that I met yesterday comes right up to me and I ask him through a translator, what's your passion? What's the point of your life, Louise? Evangelism. That's the point of my life is to tell people about what happened inside my heart when it was regenerated. My whole point for living right now as an 18 year old and he's just bubbling with this energy and this passion and this purity, this laser focus on how he's going to tell other people about what happened to his heart so they might come to know the same Jesus. That's Louise. Cool. And then I get to meet Carlos. Who's Carlos? Now, Louise is going to be one of the leaders of this church. I get, I get to meet Carlos. 
And the story of Carlos, uh, much like Francisco, who's our, our Spanish-speaking pastor at our church in Santa Ana, together, get this, this is crazy, together they were like crime lords. They were like organized crime lords. And they worked in tandem with the prison systems inside and outside the big house. They had a completely organized system of doing crime. And, and yet Carlos, after experiencing the change of heart, Carlos is going to be the pastor of this church. Carlos is there wanting to do whatever he can to serve his community there in Rosarito. Now I'm going to ask again. Miracle, Luis and Carlos, and what God's doing in Mexico. Miracle, yes or no? That's right. And the connection, as these guys play, and, and, and then we're going to take communion right now. We're going to take communion. This is a table that is open, that is a reminder, that is a reminder of that one-time cost that Jesus paid for, for his blood, for your blood, to be regenerated, to be new, through a miracle work of the Holy Spirit, like the passage says in Titus. A really, really good question right now would be, Ben, you talked about the Old Testament. You talked about the Bible. That's a long time ago. Do miracles still happen today? And do we still have signposts today? There's a signpost every time that a heart turns over. God not only entered into human history every single time in a supernatural way, but he used human beings in a supernatural way. He wants to use you and me to be a part of the regenerative work of people's hearts. So they can read Matthew 24 and they can have a hope for what they believe. They can have a hope for the life after this life. So you want to know, a really appropriate question would be, Ben, that's really cool, but what's my part to play? A regenerate heart, a heart that's changed from the outside, from a God totally outside and superseding the natural order. You and me, we get to play a part. We get to be used by the author of history when others experience that change. Everyone's going to get up during this song for communion. And if you're sitting there and you're wondering, what's my next step? I'm not sure about what I believe. That stuff in Matthew 24 makes me nervous. I don't know about the life after this. There's going to be a couple right over here to my left, Bob and Michelle, just normal human beings who have found this out over some years of life, the same stuff I'm talking about today. And if you have a question and you're not sure and you want someone to pray for you and you're ready to make a decision, because of what you're hearing today and you want to have total assurance in what I'm talking about you don't have to worry everyone's going to get up for communion anyway if you want to walk over and pray with these guys I invite you to do so let's pray as we take communion Jesus thank you so much Father thank you for this morning thank you that you are a good good father and that you had this plan to enter in Jesus even though you were so beyond and you were so outside of it all you came near through your son and that's what we get to celebrate right now with the bread and the wine Jesus I pray for those in the room who are wondering doubting second guessing does the supernatural still happen and they're in want of a signpost lead them to the table right now Father and set something in their heart about what they're going to do this week to be a part of what you want to regenerate to be a part of the relationships and conversations that you want to make new. Help us in this moment, Jesus. Speak to us as we take communion. Thank you, Father. To find out more about us, go online to watermarkoc.church.